You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and this is my conversation with Lauren Hart, the frontwoman for the band Once Human. The reason for the conversation was to promote the band's then-upcoming and still-scheduled tour of Australia. Unfortunately, that tour was cancelled, so I hope the band can find their way back down here to play in front of an appreciative audience. Certainly hope it's the case even more so, because Lauren happens to have spent a lot of time in Australia, hence her accent. Anyway, let's hear what she has to say. Here we go. Lauren, welcome to the show. You have a ferocious voice. When did you realise that the death metal vocal style was your cho- chosen method of singing? Um, when I was a young kid, I would scream with um, with like a garage band kind of thing. Um, so yeah, probably maybe fifteen years old or fourteen, I started screaming um but i was always doing it wrong like i I remember when i would finish i would taste blood and uh that's definitely not (laughs) not normal so so uh so yeah um ever since then i've just sort of fallen in love with it and um it always felt really therapeutic to me and uh even as a teenager that's probably the best time to scream (laughs) so yeah Yeah, not wrong (laughs) yeah um you know, you're in you're in Once Human, of course, and the band features Logan Matter, the one-time Machine Head guitarist. How did you guys meet? Uh, I'm sure the story's mm-hmm. already out there, but for the benefit of listeners, can you share the story about how you guys hooked up? Yeah, it was as soon as I got back to America, um, I got a little studio and uh, a little... I had no money, but I had enough to buy a really cheap guitar and... Um, a really cheap amp. It was probably like a $99 guitar and like probably the same amount of money as amp. And I just decided to start playing again. And, um, as I kind of lost myself for, for a little while and, um, I just kind of wanted to get back to all the art that I've been sort of neglecting. And so I started filming just me playing metal riffs. And for some reason it uh, ended up in the hands of, uh, Roadrunner A&R guy and I put him up on YouTube and Facebook and all that and then the Roadrunner A&R guy I think he was an ex-Roadrunner guy sent it to Monty Connor saying like hey check this girl out and then Monty saw it and sent it to Logan and was like hey check this girl out maybe you could like build something around her and I guess that's what Logan does is he, he takes people and he, he tries to put bands together around them and you know, helps write songs or, or whatever. So I went into, uh, I got a call from Logan and uh, told told me to come into his, his studio. I went in there and uh, we hit it off straight away. And uh, I guess typically he gets a lot of people who want to do the radio thing. And uh, so for years he's been doing a lot of radio rock and writing a lot of, you know, things that fit that formula. But what I wanted to do was was not that at all, and uh, in fact, I didn't even want a clean thing in, in the beginning. And uh, so he, I think he found that quite refreshing. And you know, he's he's got deep deep metal roots as well, so um, that really spoke to him. And we connected on a raw, real level and started writing. And uh, yeah, woke woke something up in him, and and all of a sudden he's in the band, and that's that's how it all started. 
Yeah, sweet. Yeah, you must have been the, the diamond that he was looking for then. Yeah, because I'd, I'd spoken to... Um, oh, God, I've got a shocking short-term memory. Who was the singer? Whitfield Crane. God, how could I forget his name from Ugly Kid Joe, who worked with him in medication? Okay, and that was... I wouldn't say that oh. was a radio rock thing, but that was oh, more of yeah. a... Oh, yeah. Yeah, remember that project? Yeah. So... Yeah. I, you know, I spoke to him a little bit about that, and I think that was the last prominent project that he did before you came along, and there's a good 15 years in between that. Yeah. Yeah, and during... He was quite busy, you know, but it was always with, uh, you know, with, with radio rock type stuff, and um, uh, so that's... I think that's where I came in and it was just, I guess he got excited again and got excited about writing and metal and, and, uh, so yeah, that's, that's that story. Now, this is, this is probably a question. I didn't even know who he was when I first met him. Is, oh. is that right? Is it? Sorry. No, you're right. You go. Yeah. I'm, I'm an idiot. I'm such an idiot, but I'm glad that I didn't because, um, because I think I would have gotten really nervous and I wouldn't have been able to play in front of him and I would have just started judging myself and, mm. like, sounding like shit and all that. <laughs> Sorry, am I allowed to swear on this? So he... he I don't, can't remember if I was reading an interview or watching a YouTube interview with him, but apparently he's got five kids, so it's, this is probably more a question for him than you, but since I'm talking to you, I'll ask you, how does he judge being in a band and touring and having five kids? Because I've got two kids and I do a bit of travelling and I've got to tell you, it pushes me to my limit a lot of the time. So, so what's your take on how he manages the family situation oh. in bands? <laughs> um, well, I think that's more of a question for, for him. But, um, yeah, I know that they've, they've, uh, they're really spoilt and um, they've got it made and they're really lucky kids. So, um, But that's probably... A question for Logan for sure. Yeah, no worries. So about Once Human, the band is now two albums deep. In your own words, and your and with your take on things, in what way has the band evolved since 2015's The Life I Remember to this year's Evolution? Oh gosh, I could probably only speak mostly for myself and my growth. Um, I mean, the music I feel like it's evolved like crazy ever since the introduction of of Max, uh, who we met on the Fear Factory tour. He was Fear Factory's guitar tech, and uh, he we became friends with him, and he was like, oh, just, you want to hear some of my riffs? And we are like, yeah. And as soon as he played them, we were just, like, amazed, and we needed to, we asked him if he would want to ride with us, and he said, yeah, and now he's in our band, and um, we love him. <laughs> he's amazing. Um, so that's probably where the music sort of took a big step up. Oh, I believe it was a step up is with uh, the introduction of Max. And um, he also glued the band together in a way where we all just became best mates. Somehow he's got this personality that was like the missing link between all of us. And we were all friends, but now we're like really good friends because of him. He sort of brings out the best in everyone. And uh, so that's, that's that. And for me, uh, the life I remember was just sort of my first real band, and um, I didn't know really what I was doing lyrically. And even with my vocals, it was sort of trial and error. I, uh, but with the lyrics, uh, I, I think I was writing a lot for what I thought would sound cool and what people wanted to hear. And I was writing for people, and I wasn't writing for myself. And that, it, so none of it felt really 
real. And um, so this album, once I heard the music that was coming out, I I thought that I I couldn't settle for that. And I actually felt like I wasn't good enough to write on this album. But, uh, you know, after all that, you know, self-fighting uh, with myself, I... I sat down and, and just dug really deep and then I feel like the lyrics are what made the voice sound better because I believe what I'm screaming. So yeah, that's, that's that. Cool. Yeah. Now you're uh, identifiably Australian needs to be said, which must be unique for you in the metal scene in the USA. So I've got a few questions to ask you about your journey to Los Angeles, particularly because even though I host a radio show here in Australia, the majority of my listeners are from overseas, particularly in North America. So my first question would be f for you is that, are people aware in the US that you're from Australia? I'm not sure. Well, I was born in the States, so I've got dual citizenship. Aha, uh -huh. um, right, okay. So I'm not sure, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know what people know of me. I, I've read, I've read interviews where it looks like they've misunderstood and they said I was born in Australia. So maybe people think I'm full Australian. Um, but I was born in the States and, uh, so yeah, I'm not sure what's going on there. So what city in Australia are you from? Uh, from the Northern beaches of Sydney in DY. DY. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, my um my mother's partner's from Dwy. Actually, my mother lives in Camaray, so every time I go down to Sydney, actually, I tend to go up there oh, cool. and um and hang out a little bit. It's quite nice on the beach there with the cafes there. Pity there's no bloody pub in Dwy though, not on the beach anyway. I don't know whether what you... uh, do you want a pub? What about it? Sorry, you cut there, out. There's not a pub on the beach there at Dwy, which I find incredible coming from Queensland. You know, because in oh. Queensland there's a pub on every. Just about every beach has got its own pub, really, you know, especially here on the sunny coast. Um, yeah, you're right. It's just cafes. Yeah, that's right. And I couldn't understand it. I sort of remember saying to my, my mother's partner, Patrick, and <laughs> so what's going on here? There's all these cafes and stuff. And, of course, as a consequence, you've got people drinking beer on the, the beach and on the grassy areas um, to sort of compensate for it. So yeah. There's an idea for you when you're making millions and billions with the band to come back and... Yeah, I think there's one little place that has like live music, uh, or, or not not live music, but uh, an acoustic guitar guy. Um, and I hear people getting loud and rowdy over there. But then there's um, then there's the the RSL. Um, that's that's near the beach, so I don't know. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah. so were you? We were you mentioned that you're in some garage bands, and I take it that was around the Northern Beaches area as well, was it? Oh yeah, but um, around there and uh, even in the states, um, in the states when I was a kid, that's I would have one in there. I w it wasn't really like um, a full uh, like I would practice with them every single day. It was so random, you know. Sometimes you just rock up somewhere and start free jamming, and I would always try to get on the mic and scream. Uh, but yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. Super random, but a lot of the a lot of the stuff that I did was um, I had an eight track recorder and I would do it all myself and I would scream in my bathroom with a microphone and because uh, it had really amazing reverb and <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's I, I would write a lot of my own stuff and then like I would get together with some kids and they'd be like, oh, can you play this? Can you play that? I'm like, no, nah, I can only play my own stuff. <laughs> 
uh, didn't really go down very well. Okay, so I guess this, if you can answer this question, go for it. Just, you know, I, I actually thought you were Australian as well. I think I've read that, that, that in interviews that you're a born and bred Aussie, but that's interesting to hear you've got dual citizenship and you're born in the States. And what age did you move over to Australia? Oh, probably around 15, I think, 14, 15. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So that's, I don't know, I've heard, I've heard that here when I'm, when I'm here, people are like, oh, you sound Australian. And then when I'm there, they're like, oh, you sound American. So it's a little bit of a mix, I guess. Well, I think because I talk to so many Americans, um, you definitely sound Australian. I'll let you know, I'll let you know that. You've definitely got the Aussie, Aussie twang going on that might be hard to lose, but I'm sure you're not trying to lose it either. It's just one of the, you can't help how you speak, yeah. can you? You know, it's uh, accents. So she was. Yeah. God bless Malcolm Young as he's moved on, but I do listen with some. Um, I always like listening to yeah. Angus Young talk because he's got that. He's Australian, but you can tell his parents are Scottish because he's got that that harshness to his his Australian accent that I know a lot of um, people from the north of England and from Scotland have got. Mm. You know, so when you when you moved over to LA from Australia, was once human. Was it the, the compelling event to go over there and to join a band like Once Human, or were you just going over there to see, you know, what would happen? Nah. No, um, I just went over there just to, uh, went to LA to see what would happen, and uh, I just wanted a fresh start in life, and um, uh, so I, uh, yeah, it, it honestly all just fell into place. I I questioned sometimes, like, do I really deserve this? But you know, it happened and, uh, I'm super excited and, uh, I got super lucky meeting Logan straight away and, and all this stuff happening. This, I feel like it was definitely fate. When I was flying over from, from Sydney to LA, I was questioning whether or not, why am I doing this? I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm going for it. And, um, yeah, the intention wasn't to be in a band at all. Um, there was, it was more just like let's let's see how we go out here. Let's let's see what happens. You know, I'm not really good with planning anything. I'm just kind of spontaneous in that way. And uh, so yeah, that that was that. It's an extraordinarily brave move that you've made. I got to, I got to hand it to you there because I I talked to um, mainly talked to artists outside of Australia, but recently I've made a real effort to talk to Australian artists. And um, it's very daunting for an Australian artist to think about making the great leap to Europe or the big leap across the Pacific to the States, but you're actually the only person I've spoken to. Um, I've probably done interviews with maybe 10 to 15 Aussie artists that are, of, you know, that, that have got a reasonable prominence and a reasonable profile here in Australia, but the only, only person I've spoken to that's managed to actually do it. And you're very modest about it also. I think it's very commendable the oh. attitude that you take. Oh, thanks. That's, that's really nice. I think, um, I think it's only because I frequently visited, you know, America, so it's not like it's not like it was that daunting for me. Um, but I could see how how they would feel that way. It is it is quite overwhelming. LA itself is very overwhelming, and um, yeah, so that's that's that. And uh, yeah, I'll tell you, my, my, yeah, I don't know what else to say about that. Well, my story with, with um, I'm a musician as well, actually. I'm just waiting outside of our rehearsal space to go in. After our interview's finished, I'll go in and I'll start rehearsing with the, the band because I play in a covers band every weekend and we're learning a bunch of, gosh, this will sound interesting, a bunch of funk and disco numbers, but I'm a metalhead, so, but I play bass guitar and I just never wanted to play bass in a metal band because you can't hear what most bass guitarists do in a metal band and I love playing 
slap and thumb bass, yeah. a la Larry Graham and all the rest of it, so I really wouldn't work as a bass player in a metal band. But anyway, I digress. Years ago, I um, reached out to Bob mm-hmm. Daisley. You might know him. He's, a, he's an Australian bloke. He's from Sydney. He was Ozzy Osbourne's bass player, and it turned out he wrote all of the music and lyrics for Ozzy Osbourne through mm-hmm. the 80s and the first, uh, first couple of years of the 90s. Now, I reached out to him for bass lessons, and mm-hmm. um, he said, look, I'm too busy to give you bass lessons, but tell me what you're doing with your musical career, and I'll give you some advice and some mentorship. So I shared with him what I was doing. I was in a band called Velveteen in Sydney at the time. Um, and he goes, all right, so things are going to sound like they're going where they need to be going there. But he, said, he basically told me that it had never happened unless I moved to London, L.A. or New York. I think they were, well, might not have been his exact words, but they were words to the effect. But I was only about 22 or 23 at the time, and I'm thinking there's no way that I can do that. I'm not, I, I don't mind saying it now, probably emotionally mature. I don't have enough life experience to make that jump. But I know, uh, for, I know for yourself, like America might have been demystified to an extent, but it's still a big jump. Yeah, yeah, well, I think, I don't know, maybe times have changed a little bit too because it wasn't necessarily the fact that I was in LA. It was social media. It was it was that platform that, that's being used. And I feel like nowadays you don't have to make that huge leap, maybe eventually, but I feel like through social media you can do a lot that you couldn't do back then. And, um, yeah, that's... Yeah, I think that's uh, times are changing, you know. Yeah, you're probably spot on. And, and I was talking to the local band, um, one of the local bands around me in the sunny coast, Fragile Animals. And I do ask this question of a lot of the Australian bands, um, not so much the bands that are in Melbourne, because that's really where the music scene here is in Australia. It's in Melbourne, you know, the serious one for rock and roll bands and metal bands and the like. They've got the venues there and they've got the support there amongst the punters. But I did ask the the guys in Fragile Animals, Victoria and Dan, and so do you, do you feel pressure even to move to Brisbane? And they, they said it gave me a similar response to what you just did. It's just, it's not necessary. We don't have to do it right now. Maybe in the future we do, but we're not thinking that way. You know, whereas mm. 15 years ago, back when I was talking to Bob, you basically, I was even thinking about moving to Melbourne back then just to try to jag a gig as a, because I was doing session work at the time. You know, when I was turning up to studios and just playing on people's mm. albums, if that's session work or just playing on people's albums, whatever that might be called. I wasn't reading sheet music and charts or anything. I was just learning material, turning up and playing it and recording it. Um, but I had a bit of success mm. insofar as I got work, but it never sort of went on to anything, and I basically gave it up after that. But, uh, yeah, no, it's an interesting point you make there about social media. I hadn't quite made the uh, that that definite link between the two, but I think what you're saying is, is spot on. So it's interesting that... Because I think a lot of people who are very interested yeah, it, in... It was a, yeah, you go. Oh, sorry, there's a delay. I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. You're right, no worries. Sorry, you were saying? Um, oh, I was just saying that I I think that... Sorry, I've forgotten what I was saying. What was I saying? I was, I was talking about social media. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was talking about the social media side of things. I think if you've got the right attitude and the right connections. Um, you know, look, I'm, fan, I'm I'm a big fan of some bands like, I think they're called uh, Asvidia. They're from Iceland. Um, I can't, the, the name is, is written in like Icelandic, so you almost can't pronounce it if you've got a, if you're a native Australian English speaker, effectively. <laughs> um, but my point is, is that bands from all over the world have an opportunity to obtain an audience really from anywhere. It just depends on how, how far you want to take it and the style of music you're in. 
Yeah, like um, I think what you're saying about moving to Melbourne and all that, I think people felt like they needed to move to, to big cities because that's where all the networking was. You know, you, that's where all the people are and that's where all the business is. And But nowadays you don't have to do that. You can just, you know, put it all up on social media and it's all there. Um, and then eventually I think moving to a big city would help, you know, just with practice and, uh, you know, again, more networking. Um, but, yeah, so that's... Uh, that's social media nowadays is a huge tool. Hmm. Hey, I'm going to change track and I'm going to ask you this question here. Sexism in the industry. So I had a chat to Caroline from The Charm, The Fury earlier in the year and she mentioned that venue staff and security often assume that she is a hanger-on rather than a member of a band. But Lauren, what's your experience been like on that front? With, with uh, sexism? Yeah, have you experienced anything like what Caroline shared with me uh, insofar as people not thinking that you're a part of the band and that sort of thing? Oh, um, yeah, a couple of times, like um, walking in the back room and like uh, saying hello to a, to another band, like, oh, hello, I'm Lauren, nice to meet you guys. And it, like, it was like a, either a headliner or, or, I don't know, something uh, maybe like an opening band and they didn't know who I was or anything. So they're just like, oh, who's this, like, who's this girl? Like, she's like rocked up and said hello to us. I don't know what they, what they thought that I was, but definitely after I played, they were like, ah. Oh. Um, but I haven't really experienced anything. People built it up like it was going to be a lot worse than it was. Um, people were going to say that I was going to get a lot of, a lot of shit for being a girl. But to be honest, it hasn't been that bad. I mean, the off, the off chance, uh, the off time, like when we're hanging out after a show and everyone's wasted, really drunk, like of course there's going to be a couple of uh, bad run-ins or with with drunk people, but that's just alcohol. That's not that's not male female. That's just being a female in a bar full of or pub full of like drunk people. So that's yeah. There's no. I haven't experienced anything prominent. No. Mm, yeah, no, fair enough. And is is there, I'll, I'd love to ask this question of you, actually, and I was trying to think of the right way to frame it, but uh, is there a sisterhood amongst people like yourself and Alyssa from Arc Enemy and the lasses that are in um, Butcher Babies? Is there a, a sisterhood? Yeah, is there like a sisterhood? Do you communicate with each other via email or text or whatever it might be? Because it's really yeah. only only been in the last five to ten years or so, ever since Angela was in arch enemy that we've seen i mean you're you're an excellent front person forget about being a female you 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 have a raucous death metal voice and you I mean you're up there with david vincent really from morbid angel in terms of the way you can project your voice and you can wow. you know, dominate an audience yeah and i'm a massive morbid angel fan by the way probably my favorite band ever um but you know yourself Alyssa. wow probably, that's Really amazing. Thank you. No, no worries. No worries. Oh, it's thoroughly, uh, thoroughly so. deserved. Thank you. <laughs> you <know. laughs> well, thoroughly deserved, uh, as I say, you know, but, but yeah, you know, Caroline out of the Charm, the Fury, Alyssa, are you in communication with, with these ladies? No, um, not really. Like, I, I think uh, just through Instagram, I think I got like a comment from Alyssa uh, on a funny video that I did. It just on one human and then um butcher babies uh met them a couple of times just because 
Logan produced their last record and um or the one that came out just before this one. Uh and so I met them a few times because of that and then just any other time we were at like an event I would see them, I would say hello. But I don't really uh I don't really keep in touch with everyone like that. Maybe one day I'm still getting to know people and um yeah, maybe it's just uh a matter of time, but yeah. Yeah, no, fair enough. Yeah, look, it's um, yeah, and look, the only reason I ask the question is because it's really only been, as I say, in the last ten years or so that we've seen we've seen wonderful front women like yourself um, in bands. And I, I actually remember being a fan of Arkenemy when they had the male front man, and then when Angela came into the band, not even knowing that it was a female singer, actually, <laughs> such, such was her vocal prowess at the time. I mean, now of course you can look back and can you can hear the difference, but. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I think it's a wonderful change. And look, I, I'm a father of two daughters, so I think it's a wonderful thing that some of those boundaries and those barriers have been broken down. And you're you're one of the people leading that charge, effectively. Oh. oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I do love Angela, too. She's one of my idols. And, uh, yeah, I hope, I hope one day to meet her. She, she would be amazing. If I could shake her hand, that would be a dream come true. Cool, yeah. Well, I, I think, I mean, you know, I know it's a business and, you know, relationships are formed how they're formed but i'd love to see you guys on a tour with arc enemy i think it'd be a wonderful double bill because i think angela still manages or has something to do with the management of arc enemy yeah she does she does manage them and uh yeah it would be and i actually i heard that she was coming back with uh some kind of other band um uh, she released something that said that she's going to be doing something in 2018 with with a new band, so I'm looking forward to hearing her scream again. Yeah. Hopefully that's what she meant. She was quite vague about it, but that would be amazing. Yeah. And yeah, to tour with Arch Enemy would be a dream for us, just because I feel like their audience would really love us and uh, take us in. And, hmm. and uh, yeah, it would be a great fit. So um, I should have asked this next question earlier, sorry, but I'm gonna, I'll ask it now. I've said many times when interviewing Australian bands and artists that the scene in Australia has never been better, just focusing on hard rock, heavy metal and rock and roll. Now, I say this is a 25-odd-year veteran of Australian rock and metal, but what's your take on the scene that we have here in Australia? Because I understand that things took off from, for you in LA, but, yeah, what's your take on, on the Australian metal scene? Um... What's my take on it? I'm not exactly sure what you mean. Um, oh, like what? You, I mean, you 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 spent some time in know. Australia when since you were 15. Okay, so you you, you might have gone to local shows and the like. But are you aware of some of the bands that are yeah. playing around now, like Desecrator from Melbourne? There's a ton of bands, of course, from Melbourne and Nia Livascaris from Melbourne as well are doing big things on the on the international stages. But um, yeah, I mean, look from my perspective, things that just keep on improving. They just keep on getting better. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, you're right. You go. I keep interrupting just because the delay. I don't mean to be rude. No, you're um, not being rude. No worries. You go for it. Yeah, I really fell in love with. Uh, I fell in love with Twelve Foot Ninja. Who they're from Melbourne too, right? I think so. Yeah, I think just so many great bands from Melbourne. And as I say, I'm from Brisbane, but yeah, I've got to give credit where credit's due. Melbourne seems to be where everything's coming from these days. Yeah, they're amazing. I would love to tour with them. That be a massive dream come true and i know that uh every everywhere i look online there's um you know the big news sites like blabbermouth and metal injections or whatever they're always posting about um die is murder 
And so that's, yeah, another big, I think another big one that's uh, coming through. And um, there's another one that I started re- listening to recently that's uh, symphonic. It sounds like almost like an old dingy. Um... Well, this is embarrassing. This is an enforced intermission. The phone card that I was using ran out of funds. Thankfully, I had my Skype account at the ready, so I was able to call Lauren at her location in Los Angeles very easily. All is right in the world, so let's get back to the discussion with Lauren. Here we go. Sorry, Chris's phone card thing ran out of um, funds, apparently. Um, I only knew okay. that was when I tried to call back in. It wouldn't let me do it, so I'm just calling back from my Skype account now. But, uh, yeah, right. we were talking about um, Die Artist Murder, and I agree with you on that. They're, uh, they've got a couple of Brisbane lads in the band, but I think they're, they're, they formed in Sydney. But they're just they're about the biggest deathcore band in the world at the moment, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, massive. And another one I was going to say that I've started listening to, they sound like um, almost a little bit uh, like an old Dimu to me. Um, is and I they're from Melbourne, but I can't pronounce their name. It's N E O B L. What is it? Neobliviscaris. Yeah, I mentioned them earlier. Obliviscaris. Yeah. Okay, thank you. That's all right. <laughs> all right, because I, I felt like I was saying it wrong in my head this whole time. All right, cool. It took me a couple um, of goes to get yeah, it right they're... as well. Yeah, <laughs> don't worry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you've got to get creative with band names nowadays because it's all taken. <laughs> that it is. Yeah, it's very hard. It's, yeah, I wouldn't, I, I, I don't think I'd ever start a band myself ever again but if ever i had the envious job of trying to pick a band i think i'd go to that online that online page that can pick a name for you because it just seems like it's as well <laughs> trying to come up with something creative yourself all of the good names are taken and uh, you know you notice that there's like um there's two or three desecrators out there there's about 15 pentagrams out there all of the good names are already yeah. taken and they're actually being shared around amongst bands yep yeah now you've got to come up with a sentence for a band name yeah, yeah, and or the the metalcore and deathcore thing they call it verb the noun, so it's like um, laughing at daybreak and names like that. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, which which is quite creative. I quite like that actually. But yeah, it's um yeah verb the noun. I, I do like the way the metalcore and the deathcore bands do that. So um, yeah, I got one more question for you. Um, touring, how do you cope with it? You know, it's. Um, I mean, you do a lot of touring in Once Humor, I take it, and you're probably touring a lot through the States, but is waiting in... I've asked... I think I asked so many of my, my more prominent artists that I interview this one here, but, you know, the whole waiting in airports thing and being in vans on the road for long stretches of time, do you often feel as though you are a professional traveller as opposed to a musician? Uh, oh, I, don't, I don't know if I'd call it a professional <laughs> traveller, uh um but it's it's yeah it's um uh i don't know how to answer this but it's for some reason i feel like i'm happier on the road and um and when i the downtime is what i have a difficult time coping with i don't like downtime i don't like being in my own head um but when i'm on the road it kind of feels like i have a purpose and i'm a lot happier and uh and i love traveling and seeing things and and just really I feel like that's when I'm really experiencing life that's when I'm really living and every day there's something to look forward to which is the show and it's like I and then when the tour's over that's when it gets really sad but I mean you do you do have to get adjusted to like going to the bathroom at certain times because there's no toilet on on some of these things or you can't 
you know, do certain things on the toilet. And uh, so you got to really get your body adjusted to like when you can and can't do things. And, um, and then get a shower situation. I've come to really fall in love with truck stop showers, which in the States, it's like this, it's like a petrol station, but they've got showers and it's really nice actually. Like they're, they're not that bad at all. And uh, yeah, so those kind of things, it's, uh, that's it. That's, for me, it's I'm happiest when I'm traveling and on the road. Sweet. And actually, this will be my final question. What's been the biggest challenge for you and how have you overcome that challenge as an artist? Um, as an artist, probably when I got sick uh, during the end of the Zandria tour, I lost my screen and that was the scariest thing that's ever happened to me. Uh, it, I had bronchitis and the, the vocal... Uh, the uh, the way I scream is uh, guttural screaming, so it's like everything sort of flaps together, and it requires a lot of air. and And uh, I guess if I learned how to fry scream, I could have gotten through those shows uh, because it wouldn't have um, it wouldn't have affected those. My sickness affected this the supraglottic tissues, and they got so swollen that they were unable to close and flap. So the scream just wasn't there anymore. Um, so that was the scariest thing is trying to overcome that and, and uh, not being going up on stage and telling everyone, like, uh, I can't scream for you guys. How about an instrumental? <laughs> like, that was awful. Um, and, uh, yeah, I hope that never happens again. I guess it's extremely rare to get bronchitis, but it happened to me. And uh, luckily we, we came back about a month later and played that same venue and everything was good. So we came back with Dragon Force. And uh, it was an awesome show. So yeah, um, it, just learning how to get through when when I get sick and how to deal with it is that's a challenge. Yeah, yeah, I can appreciate that. The, yeah. old, the older I get, um, I, look, I do a bit of singing and, and playing bass and the like. But as soon as I get a virus, the last place I want to be is up on stage. I can assure you of that. But you know, it's uh, you've just got to find a way to get through it, haven't you? And it sounds like you've done that. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Is it? That's the scary thing for me. Was I? I couldn't do anything. You know, I couldn't scream at all. And so that's that's where it was debilitating. So I think now I've just got to learn a different way of screaming. It might not sound as good, but it will get me through the show. Like the fry scream, I, I'm horrible at it. I feel like I sound like a pterodactyl. And uh, but you know, apparently that's uh, that's the way to go if you're if you're feeling sick. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be, a, it's not going to sound great, but at least I'll be able to do it. Yeah. Well, look, I, I know firsthand as a, as a musician, you know, and, and a vocalist that you have your off nights every once in a while and it's just how it is. You're only human. Yeah, true. I know. I'm super hard on myself too. It's like, I don't, I don't like to let myself think, oh, I'm, I'm only human. That's fine. Everyone's got bad nights. Uh, it's like, I, I like take it to bed and I, and I can't sleep at night and, <laughs> wow, yeah. but you know, I guess that's, yeah, that's part of it. It's, I guess, um, maybe I'll grow out of that. Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, look, um, I, the compliment I gave you earlier, you definitely, definitely modest, but yeah, God, please don't be hard on yourself. You know, you're a wonderful front person and, um, you should have a very long and successful and prosperous career doing what it is that you do. Um, there's not a lot out there like you. Oh, I want to hand it to you. There's, you know, there's Alyssa, there's there's Caroline from the Charm the Fury. There's yourself. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I can say this because I'm a nobody, but 
you know, the butcher babies girls, they're, no. they're not too bad, but they're not as good as you. And um, OTEP isn't as good oh, as you. Thanks. There's, you know, sorry, I don't want to, I'll, I'll edit that bit out because I know OTEP goes hard after people if you diss her. And it's not you dissing her, that's me saying that. I'm not dissing her either, by the way. I'm just saying I prefer you to her. Um, but Yeah, no, that's all right. That's, that's art, though. Everyone's got a preference. Yeah, I mean, but look, just going back to that, God, yeah, I mean, it's I, I, I always notice that with the people that are very good at what they do, they often don't think they're that good. You know, I'm not saying you don't think you're that good, but, you know, you, you're often, you're very hard on yourself is what I'm saying, and that's what it comes across to me as, as you are. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's like uh, I heard there's a painter, I can't remember who it was, but he couldn't even put his paintings on the wall. I don't think it was Van Gogh, but it was someone like that. He couldn't hang his paintings up and because all he would see in the paintings were the mistakes or what could be better. And yeah, but, but to everyone else, those paintings were simply amazing. Um, I wish I remember who it was, but it feels a lot like that a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah, look, I, I can appreciate that. And look, we, we, we in Australia can look forward to seeing you on your Australian tour, so I hope I can get to the Crowbar show and say good day to yourself and, and Logan, actually. That'd be a nice Crowbar in Brisbane, that is. Yeah, it'd be nice to meet you. Yeah, yeah, so you, the tour dates are in through late February and early March, I think, aren't they? Yep. Yeah, so every everybody listening... Um, you know, you are a very, very good, and I just call it heavy metal at the end of the day. I know I'm supposed to give it prefixes because people like that these days, but <laughs> I just call everything from Black Sabbath through to really heavy death metal, heavy metal, you know that? Um, so I think yep. if the listeners out there want to get along and see a damn fine heavy metal band, get along to the dates that will be posted on the Once Human Facebook page, the Australian Tour dates on the Once Human Facebook page. Yep, uh should I say something to that or what? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, this is over to you. I'll, I'll let you finish the show. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, God, I'm horrible at this. I don't know. Um, yeah. <laughs> God. <laughs> On the spot. Uh, yeah. Uh, check us out, facebook.com slash onehuman. Uh, check out our YouTube. We've got a few music videos out there and... Um, and of course, come to the show and check us out. We'd love to meet you guys, have a beer afterwards. And uh, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. We uh, don't take ourselves very seriously on stage. So um, if you're coming out for a serious metal show, <laughs> it's probably the wrong show to see. Um, but it's it's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of energy. It's going to be heavy as fuck. And uh, yeah, we're going to have a lot of fun with you guys. So yeah. Awesome. Bring it on. Well. I think I said fun too much. <laughs> No, it's look, it's a word not used in metal enough, in my view, because it is fun. It's our outlet. It's what we do as fans of metal. You know, we go to metal shows and we listen to heavy metal. That's what we do. And it is fun, otherwise we wouldn't do it. So, no, that's a very appropriate descriptor for what you're doing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I probably shouldn't have said we don't, we don't, if you're looking for a serious show, uh, don't come kind of thing, because it is, when we start playing the music, it does get, you know, we get down to business. But I feel like in between, it's always really lighthearted and, uh, and uh, like the boys have a lot of fun on stage, and I don't know. I hope I hope you get to come, and you'll see what I, I mean. Yeah, I'll, I'll reach out. Oh, no, I will. I will. I'll try and get a media pass actually, so I can catch up with you guys, and maybe even bring along a photographer. But you know, just on your point there, I think you you are making a very good point, which is that you take the music very seriously, but at the same time, you don't take yourself seriously. I think that's that's my interpretation of what you're saying. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. See, I should have said that. 
<laughs> All good. Well, no, thanks so much for the chat, Lauren. I really appreciate it. Yeah, look, I'll, I'll make an effort to get to the show, no doubt about that. I hope I'm in town, actually, because I'm from, from the sunny coast, so sometimes I've got to look after the kids okay. on the weekend or whatever date it might be. But um, if I can get to the show, rest assured, I'll be there and I'll come and introduce myself. Oh, thanks. I really love to meet you. And, uh, yeah, thank you for having me. No worries at all. All right, all the best. Hopefully talk to you soon. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that was my conversation with Lauren Hart, the front woman for the band Once Human. Thanks so much for listening.